0: Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. You guys are doing really good. I didn't even have to prompt you. You just did it, and uh, I appreciate it that you you humor me every once in a while, and uh, that that's good. H- have you ever met anyone who seemed phony? That that they just didn't seem legitimate that the, that 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 you could just tell that even though they were acting a certain way that they were they were different on the inside uh, several years ago Terry and I was at an all-inclusive resort in Cancun Mexico Woo, yeah I miss it uh, you know is it going to snow in April uh, you know I, I, it was snowing this weekend right a little bit spitting snow uh, so I'm longing for warmer weather but we were in this resort and we were going through a town a resort town and you know in those all-inclusives you wear a bracelet and as we're walking through the town some guy says hey i waited on you at such and such he knew where we were staying and everything and it took me a few minutes to realize he was looking at my bracelet he didn't know me at all but he knew what the bracelet meant (laughs) you ever met somebody that that, that, they, they just don't seem legitimate uh, you know, I, I, every time I, we purchase anything and we start dealing with salespeople, it, it, it's always amazing to me. When the salesperson finds out that I'm a pastor, how many of their dads and grandpas were pastors as well? Uh, you know, they, they make that, oh yeah, I was called in the ministry, and I, actually I'm a pastor too. I, the, the last time we dealt with somebody in a car, they, they were actually a retired pastor. <laughs> and that may have been true, but it's, it's always, it always comes across a little bit not authentic to me when people connect in that way. And it's not just in business settings. You ever had a relationship that you just can't seem to get past the shell, the outside? You you, you can't get past talking about the weather. You can't get past talking about Buckeyes football. It just doesn't feel real. The the Beatitudes are moving us to authenticity, uh, to, to a place where it's just not surface, and it's not just religious. It's not just something that we do, but it's, it's something that we are. It's authenticity. You know, you know what the world's hungry from uh, with the church? They want the church to be real and authentic. They, they, they want us to be who we say that we are and not just give word service to love and grace and mercy and all these things and purity. But, but they want the church to be different. You know, it, it's amazing, and, and I'm not, this church, I, you know, you guys are great folks. I, I don't think we, we fit the mold of, of every church, but do you realize that in most studies, church people aren't a whole lot different than the rest of the world? And I think the world's hungry for a church that's different, that's authentic. As a matter of fact, as we as we go through the art of neighboring, one of the things that was was kind of striking to me is that do you know most, most community leaders will find that just because you're a member of a church doesn't mean that you treat your neighbor different than your other neighborhood folks do. That doesn't seem right, does it? Uh, Was that sentence too long to follow what I was saying? (laughs) See, I think when we're authentic, if we're authentically following Jesus, how we treat our neighbors is different than the rest of the street. That, that somehow there's something different going on. And, and so the Beatitudes are moving us to authenticity. It's, it's not just surface. It's, it, it's in being broken and submitted and mourning and hungering and showing mercy. It's moving us to this level of authenticity, a level of authenticity that, that I want. Folks, I don't want to just go through the motions. Of following God. I want to be authentic in my Christian walk. And I believe these next two are a culmination. And when we get to the, the, the last one. It, the, the last one is focusing on what it looks like to live in God's kingdom and be a, a citizen of his kingdom in this world. That, that there's going to be conflict. But these last two, these next two are significant. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Next week we're going to talk about peacemakers, and, and, and this week we're going to talk about being pure in heart, and, 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 and we're talking about an inner and an outer work, that, that, that what God is doing in our life changes us from the inside out, and it changes how we live in our communities. Today we're going to focus on that inner work. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, so the question is, what does it mean to be pure in heart? You know, when we think about heart, it, it, it's, it's the center of emotions. Uh, when you got your significant other a Valentine's Day card it wasn't shaped in the form of a brain or a kidney or anything or a liver you know I gave you here's a, here's a liver shaped card because I love you so much you know it's, it's shaped in, in, in what we perceive is the, is the, the symbol the, the shape of a heart you know it, it, the heart is the center of one's mind and emotions When a team, a sports team, who's been watching the NCAA tournament? Woo! Yeah. You guys enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah, I have been. OSU, who they play? What time they play? You guys know? 8.40. 8.40 tonight? Okay. All right. What am I talking about? You lost my train of thought. When a team plays with emotion... When they give it all they've got, what do we say? They played their hearts out. And you know, so when we, when we think about the heart, we think about will. We think about emotions. We think about love. We think about passion. These are the things that come to mind when we think about the heart. And, 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 and the pure in heart, this is unsoiled. This is singular. It's one ingredient. You know, I, I, I've hiked several times, and when you hike, you don't, if you're out for a long time, you don't carry all your water. <laughs> so you've got to find sources of water, and, and every once in a while you've got to pump it out of a, you know, a muddy hole, and, and you, you pump it out, and you filter it, and you boil it, and, and after that you've, you've removed the impurities, and it's pure enough for you to drink. You know, removing all those things that keep it from being clear. To, to be pure in heart is to be completely sincere. It's an undivided loyalty towards God. A sincerity, a single focus towards God. There's no mask. There's, there's no false shell. But, but, but there's this sincere inner being at the inside, at the source, at our heart, at our emotions, at our will. We want to please God. You know, there's something optimistic about grace. And there's something optimistic about the call of God in our life. In a lot of ways, when we stop and think about it, when we stop about and think about this, this sincerity that God's calling us to, that Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes, it's almost unbelievable. It's almost an overwhelming expectation that God has for His people. God wants to transform you from the inside out so that your attitudes and actions allow you to function as a citizen of the kingdom. God's not just satisfied with conforming your behavior. God God just doesn't want to change the way we act, but God wants to change the way we think and what we value and what our attitudes are attitude and action working together, changing what we do, and not only changing what we do, but changing what we want to do. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to live. I want to live at a place where I'm not going through the motions, where I'm not feeling forced to follow God, but but as God calls me, I want to please Him. I I want to live at that point that Augustine said, love God and do what you want. (laughs) That that my love of God is so supreme and my love of God is so overwhelming that that it guides me in the right actions. It drives me to the right actions. And Jesus is talking about being pure in heart and God adjusting our attitude. Now, Now, I firmly believe your habits, your actions adjust your attitude. You know, that, that, that's one of the reasons when we, we read scripture and, 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 and for this season I've had you say, thanks be to God. I, I'm hoping in the habit of that, that you begin to recognize, and I know that you already do, but it, but it reinforces how thankful we should be and how happy we are that God has given us his word. <laughs> That we're thankful that God has not just left us to flounder around, but He's given us His Word so that we can have everything we need for life and salvation. So, so actions shape attitude, and attitudes shape actions. These things work together. They're not inseparable. Sometimes we do the right things Because of the right things to do. And in doing the right things, it shapes our attitude. Actions and attitudes work together. Now, this isn't a new promise. This is an old promise. In Deuteronomy 4.29, it says, You will find God if you look for Him with all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, when Jesus is telling the people this, God God hadn't hidden this. Jesus isn't given a secret or a mystery religion. Jesus isn't telling them something new. He's telling them something very old. That, That when you are undivided in your seeking of God, when you want Him more than anything else, you'll find Him. When you're sincere in pursuing God, He's there. You'll see. Him. How'd they miss it? You know, their, their whole life, the, the audience that's listening to, the, to, to Jesus speak, their whole life is centered. Their culture is centered on God. Their, their, their government was built on God. The rhythm of their week was built on God. The rhythm of the seasons, their feasts, their celebrations was built on God. The way they ate their meals was focused on God. When when they ate, they saw it as this holy thing and they, they did this ritual and washed their hands because eating was a worship service. I don't know about you, but if if eating was a worship service, I worship all the time. (laughs) About 11.30, I'm always wanting to worship, right? Their whole life was centered on God. And yet when God was in their midst, they didn't see him everything was organized you know why can, can, we, can we track through the beatitudes were they, a, were they poor in spirit or did they have spiritual pride did, did, did they mourn or were they self-righteous were they submitted to God or were they doing it in their own strength were they hungry for more of God, or do they have enough of God? Were they full of themselves? Were they merciful or judgmental? See, there's a risk of religion only spirituality. There's a risk in religious-only spirituality because religious-only spirituality can lead to spiritual pride, which is the antonym of being poor in spirit. It can lead to self-righteousness, which is contrary to mourning. It can lead to self-reliance because we know all the things to do. We can become bloated on the wrong things, we can become judgmental. Religious only spirituality does not lead to authenticity. So are you pure in heart? I going to ask you. Are you poor in spirit? Say, see, see, I firmly believe that, that 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 if we're if we're pure in heart, There's a poverty of spirit. There's a humbleness about us. Do you mourn? Are you fully submitted? Are you hungry for more of God? Do you practice mercy? It's like the fruit of the Spirit. We can't pick and choose. Say, okay, well, I'll have joy, but I'm not going to be patient. (laughs) You know, it, it, this is an ex- exhaustive list. It's the characteristic of a kingdom person. And, and unless we have all of these attributes, we'll never get to this place of authenticity on the inside and the outside. Instead, we'll fall into judgmental attitudes. We'll, we'll be filled up full of self. We'll be self-reliant. we proud. See, Jesus is calling us to the sincerity, and, and all of the Beatitudes are moving to this level of s- sincerity. The blessing's pretty simple. The, the blessing is they will see God. Who wants to see God? I want to see God. Sometimes I'm afraid. Anybody else? <laughs> a little bit scary, a little bit, little bit threatening, a little bit overwhelming, that those who will have an undivided, sincere heart towards God will see God. And as I, as I listened to that phrase, and that, it, I thought, what would go through their mind? See, see, they have all these stories in the Bible of these close encounters with God. All these Old Testament figures that had these close encounters with God. There's Abraham. You know, Abraham has all these experiences with God. And in and, and one experience, when, when God speaks to him and initially gives him the covenant, God appears as a smoking oven and a burning t- torch passing between divided carcasses. God says I want you to divide these carcasses and God in the vision as an oven and a torch passes through the midst of these divided carcasses and in essence what God's saying is if I don't keep my promises may may it happen to me what happened to these divided carcasses. May I be torn in half. We, We have the story of Moses you know, Moses had an encounter with God. In the initial when he's out watching his sheep out in the wilderness, alone with his thoughts, and he sees a bush that's burning but not being consumed. And he goes over and what's God saying? You know, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. This close encounter with God. We see the story of Elijah. I love the story of Elijah. You know, Elijah has he has this this contest with with the prophets of Bel and 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 he wins. You know, and then Jezebel starts chasing (laughs) him, and he starts running. You know, he just had this overwhelming victory. Anybody ever felt like that after your overwhelming victory? You feel like running. (laughs) And and God finally finds him or speaks to him at Mount Horeb, and and Elijah is is in the mountain. He's feeling bad about himself. Or on the mountain, and, and the Bible says God wasn't in the earthquake and He wasn't in the rushing wind, but God is the still small voice that speaks to Elijah. I love the story of Gideon. Gideon's one of my favorite stories. I was just looking at through that. I was reading through Judges this week, and, and Gideon is, 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 is taking care of the wheat uh, in, in a wine press, which is a hole in the ground, which you don't do it like that. There's no wind there. So he's hiding, and, uh, and, and the angel of the Lord shows up, and the angel of the Lord's sitting under a shade tree while, he, while Gideon works. <laughs> and, and he meets Gideon there. And, and Gideon has this close encounter with God, all these stories lead to being part of God's plan. A- Abraham has this close encounter of God, and he, he shows up as a burning torch and, a, and an oven, and, and in that moment, God says, Hey, Abram, I'm going to bless you, and everyone's going to be blessed through you. realize we're, we're we partake in that blessing right that through abraham's line we have jesus and we have life because of that initial promise to abraham you're going to be part of my plan abraham you know i'm not it's not just about seeing me abraham but you get to be part of my plan you know, the story of Moses. Moses is, you know, in the wilderness with the sheep, and, and, and God shows up in the burning bush, and, and God says to Moses, Yeah, I'm here. You see me. But guess what? You have a part to play. See, you've seen me, and I've revealed myself, and when you see me, it's not just for your good, but it's for the good of others, and you're going to lead my people to freedom. You're going back to Egypt and you're going to lead a group of slaves into the promised land. Uh, Elijah meets with God, and he's the still small voice, and Elijah feels all alone. Anybody feel all alone? <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while I feel all alone. God says, you're not alone. I've put 7,000 prophets have been hidden. And, and by the way, I'm going to send a partner, and I want you to go and find Elisha. And I want you to walk with him for a while because you're feeling too sorry for yourself. Anybody else in here ever feel too sorry for yourself? He says, you've got more to do. I'm still going to use you, Elijah. You've got work to do. Yeah, the story of Gideon. And Gideon is the least of his family, and his family is the least of their tribe, and their tribe is the least of Israel. Beating wheat, throwing wheat up in the air in a wine press, and the angel says to him, what's, what's he say? Hell mighty warrior. <laughs> That's right, you, Gideon. The, the least of your family, the, the, your family, the least of your tribe, you're going to lead my people to this great victory over Midian. And guess what? When we do it just for kicks, we're not even going to use everybody. We're just going to use like 300. And, and you're, you're going to have horns and, and you're going to break some pitchers and they're going to kill themselves. Woo! <laughs> uh. Read it. It's a good book. I mean, it really is. (laughs) See, all these encounters led to God calling them to his plan. See, 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 the point is not... The, the, the end of this, and this is why this beatitude goes into the next beatitude. The point is not just an attitude adjustment. The point is not just seeing God. The point is not just having a great worship service. The point is being called to God's plan. As a matter of fact, folks, if we had the greatest worship services ever... If our music was so astounding, they were writing books about it. If my preaching was so great, it would go down in the history books. If at the end of our services, you were so emotional, and you sensed God so real, and everything was so powerful, and it ended there, we're wasting our time because the point is not some experience here but it's an experience that changes his people into actors that he can work use in the world see seeing god changes our priorities it changes our perspective of our classroom It changes our perspective of our neighborhood. It changes our perspective of our workplace. It changes our perspective of our family. It changes our perspective of our purpose in this world. When we really see Him, He changes us. Now I believe He changes us into peacemakers. And I think as we unpack that ideal of peacemakers, it's a dynamic concept. It's just not people keeping the peace. But this ideal of peace is centered around this ideal of shalom, which is this highest Jewish blessing, this ideal of wholeness. I would say... That, that as you consider shalom you consider holiness and God's call for his people to be holy people you realize that that's that's what you're intended to be right <laughs> you are holy ones when, when when the Bible talks about people in the church it doesn't talk about pastors and lay people That's a 15th century French word. The Bible talks about the holy ones. You are meant to be the holy ones. And so this encounter with God leads us to something more. It changes our priorities. I love this story of Isaiah and Uzziah. In Isaiah chapter 6, I don't know if I put this, yeah I did, I put it in there. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Can, can I just stop just there, just, just for a moment and, and digress? You, you know the interesting thing about this phrase? He saw. He uh, saw. It doesn't say that God showed up for the first time there. It says that he saw. You know, in all these encounters, I think about Moses. Moses saw and turned a bush that was burning but didn't seem to be consumed. How many times, and I can't prove this, but you can't prove that I'm wrong. (laughs) How many times did God try to get Moses' attention before then and Moses just walked on by? How many times was Isaiah so caught up in what he was doing that he was missing the God that was trying to break in? How many times has God tried to break in in my life and I've been too preoccupied with the busyness of life to see How many times has God tried to tap you on the shoulder? But life's been so busy that you haven't seen him. Seraphim stood above him. Each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hands, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. That's the way it works. It's the purpose. See, see, God's not just lifting us up to lift us up, but God is lifting us up to send us out. And He wants to meet with us today. Do you want to catch a fresh vision Of God today? Are you sincerely seeking to see God? You know, I've met famous people in my life, a few, a handful. When I was a teenager, anybody remember Willie Willie Wilson? You remember Willie Wilson? Yeah, Willie Wilson played for the Kansas City Royals, and and every once in a while they'd put the Royals out and have them sign autographs for you. And so I went and got Willie Wilson's autograph when I was on a 13, 14 years old. And he could care less. He was the most disinterested person I've ever seen in my life. And <sighs> didn't change anything. You know, there, there'll be lots of people you encounter in your life that won't change one aspect of your life. I firmly believe when we really see him, it changes us.